0: Hello. Hey, Sally, how you doing? This is Barbara. Oh, hi, Barbara. How you doing? I'm not doing too good. I'm running into some issues with my Bible study, Georgia. She's been online doing research about Jehovah's Witnesses. And she ran across this article in the 2013 Watchtower. You know, the one that the Watchtower was telling us to obey any instructions that we may receive, whether these appear sound from a strategic or human standpoint or not. So as I'm trying to tell Georgia all about her church and all the things that they're doing wrong, now she's over here throwing this up in my face. So now how am I going to explain to her that the teachings that we have are any better than hers, especially when they're trying to tell us to believe anything that they say, whether it makes sense or not. And she's been counter challenging me, telling me that a lot of the things that we teach at the Kingdom Hall isn't even biblical.
1: JT, that sounds just like the Pharisees. Don't you agree? Yes.
2: Yes, I got to agree, Daniel. It sounds like the classic example of the Pharisees in action. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses.
1: Hi, welcome to the video. The purpose of this video is to talk to you about the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Watchtower, the governing body, and how they've become the modern-day Pharisees. Okay, JT, let's talk.
2: Okay, Daniel, let's take a look at that. Uh, You know, it's interesting how if you try to make a comparison between the modern Day Governing Body of Jehovah's Witnesses and the Pharisees, it is so amazing how many similarities you begin to quickly see as you start thinking about it and talking about it and examining what the Pharisees did and what we see the Governing Body doing today.
1: Mm. So let's just do a historical on the Pharisees. Who, Who were the Pharisees back in the day? I think they started out as good guys and started adding on some man-made rules. Talk to us.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that they were basically the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And uh, as with so many people, many times, you you can't read somebody's heart, people's intentions may be noble, but it's often you have to look at what their actions are. And that's what got the Pharisees and and the scribes and the Sadducees, that's basically what got all those guys into trouble is what their actions were. Um, and so we see that's really the problem we run into when you examine the governing body. Um, you know, I, we, you and I and nobody, we can't read uh, what their heart is and so forth, but we can definitely look at what their actions are. And that's what we have to decide. What are their actions and how similar are those actions to pretty much exactly the same pattern that the governing body and the Pharisees back in Jesus they had?
1: Well, what were one or two of the things that the Pharisees were doing back in the day, in Jesus's day, that were man-made, adding on, and causing the members to be depressed, kind of guilt-ridden? Talk to us. Well, you know, one of the the things that people uh,
2: often think of is how the Pharisees, they were always good at making man-made rules. And they was always making these little rules that had really nothing to do with anything. And it, it impacted people's lives. Uh, I think you and I, we had discussed before, and, and I know Lady C and I, we talked about it as well, that one of the rules that just really caught the, the, the Jesus's eye was how they had a rule called washing up to the elbows. And, you know, back in those days, people were farmers, people worked outdoors, you know, they, they did agriculture type work. So people would get dirty and dusty. And of course, you know, just from a hygienic standpoint, you want to wash your hands. But the Pharisees, they turned basically what was really just something for hygiene They turn it into a law of God. And so you had to wash up to the elbows. So you figure if you miss by an inch, you were in trouble. Because what they did, they elevated this position to divine law. And that's where the problem came in. If it was a suggestion, you know, man, please wash your hands, wash the elbows, clean everything off. You know, that's one thing. But to now make it a law of God. And not only did they make it a law of God, they enforced it
1: as a law of God. I get it. And so what would be an example of the parallel of washing up to the elbows of the governing body in the watchtower today? Well, we
2: can think of what would happen to a person who didn't wash up to the elbows. Mm. Such a person could actually be expelled from the synagogue.
1: Wow. And so I guess the parallel is a person gets shunned, a person gets disfellowshipped. Is that the parallel that you're making? Absolutely.
2: You, absolutely. you can only imagine what it must have meant to someone living uh, during that time to be basically removed from the synagogue as if they were a sinner against God. How it would impact them in their community in, in the area in which they lived in, the, it would just be tremendous. And of course, the kicker was, this was not a teaching of God. And you asked the question earlier, you know, a parallel. A simple example we can look at is how the watchtower, out of thin air, created teachings in regards to blood and blood fractions, especially the blood fractions. That is just a perfect example to show what happens when a human who is writing as an uninspired fallible writer turns around and takes something such as not the taking of hemoglobin. Jehovah's Witnesses could not take hemoglobin. It was considered a divine law of God not to take hemoglobin. Mm. Problem was problem was, Daniel, is it never was the divine law of God, but it was enforced as if it was. A person could be removed from the congregation as a sinner, as if they were living in the days of Jesus under the Pharisees'
1: rules. Aha! JT, I'm beginning to see the parallel point that you're making between the Pharisees and the Watchtower. But let me ask, JT, how did Jesus feel about the Pharisees back in the day? Give us the historical on that point.
2: Yeah, you know, Jesus really didn't think much of the Pharisees at all. And the reason why is because they, they engage in this going beyond what was written. Uh, it's really interesting uh, when you look at how the Watchtower and the governing body and the leadership, how they actually started. The way they started is really fascinating because they were not originally like that. In fact, notice what this quote says, how they would feel towards someone who did not agree with what they had actually written in the Watchtower. We would not refuse to treat one as a brother because he did not believe the society is the lowest channel. If others see it in a different way, that is their privilege. There should be full liberty of conscience. Watchtower April 1st. 1920 page 100 and 101. And so when, when they watched our first story out, they was like, you know, if you don't agree with, you know, our, our explanation, that's okay, you still a brother. I mean, and the reason why is because they realized that it was that they were infallible, what they were writing was infallible and it, and it didn't it did not measure up to divine status,
1: not then. Well, JT, that's an interesting quote. But let me ask you, how did something good kind of devolve into something bad. What happened over
2: time? Yeah, and that's where that phrase that Jesus used about climbing up into the seat of Moses, basically, this is what happened to the It's what happened to those guys. And in fact, now their position is absolutely solidified as being sitting in the seat of Moses. In fact, this is what they say today. It is vital that we appreciate this fact and respond to the directions of the slave as we would the voice of God because it is his provision. June 15, 1957 Watchtower page 370. And to this very day Daniel, that statement has never been rescinded. It is still the official statement and position of the Watchtower and its governing body. It's absolutely amazing
1: Yeah, JT, again, I can see the points and I can see the education that you're giving me and our viewers. But some might be watching this video, JT's, thinking that we're being too hardcore. The Jehovah's Witnesses, the Watchtower, the Governing Body, the modern-day Pharisees, come on, man, we're just calling them names. Or are we? Good point. Well, once again, as I
2: mentioned before, when we first started out, we can't read people's hearts. But what we can do is we can look at what they do. Because what they do tells you how you should view them. Let me just give you an example. With the latest changes that they have made, for example, the Watchtower has made the point that regardless of how ridiculous we tell you to do something, the Watchtower says to continue doing it. Do not question us is what they're saying. And you know, there's a question that I often ask people when I'm talking to them about the governing body and the watchtower and the faithful indiscreet slave. Uh, my wife laughs about this sometimes, but I ask people an interesting question, a very simple question. Do you believe that your approval before God the Almighty hinges upon obeying Tony Mars and his seven colleagues who make up the governing body? That's the question I pose to people. Do you know what the average Jehovah's Witness will say when they're asked that
1: question? No, JT, I don't know. What would the average Witness say when you ask them that question? Well, practically every time you ask a
2: Witness that question, you'll get the same response. Oh, no, my approval for God does not depend on obeying Tony Morris and his seven colleagues. And then what you do... You take them to their own published words, their own statement based on their own teachings. Notice what the Watchtower says. We need to obey the faithful and discreet slave to have Jehovah's approval. July 15, 2011, Simplified Edition of the Watchtower. Have you entered into God's rest?
1: JT, that's provocative insight that you're sharing there. But I got to ask, well, who are the faithful and discreet slave?
2: You know, that's a good question. If you look back through the history of the writings of the Watchtower, they've often had study articles on who is the faithful and discreet slave. And their last article on this subject matter is that the faithful and discreet slave is just a governing body. And who is the governing body? Tony Mars and his seven colleagues. So when a Jehovah's Witness reads this article, this is what it is saying. In order for you to have God's approval, you have to obey what Tony Mars and his seven colleagues say. Why? Because they are the faithful and discreet slave. So it takes us back to our original uh, point we was making at the very beginning of this video that we're recording. And just like in Jesus' day with the Pharisees and the governing body of today, both of these groups are putting forth the idea that in order to have God's approval, you have to obey what we say. You have to obey us. And that is really absolutely amazing.
1: Wow, JT, case in point about the parallel. But some of our viewers are asking, including me, well, how does all of this impact every witness, every day, every time. Talk to me about impact on the witnesses. Well,
2: well, you only can imagine um, if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness and he has an honest conversation with you, the impact can be tremendous, especially if a person is trying to follow a teaching that is not even in the Bible, just like those in Israel under the Pharisees. If you were trying to live up to something that you were told is a teaching of God and you can't, then you're looking at some serious feelings of failure. I'm not living up to God's standards. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And as humans, that leads directly into what we have come to know and understand today as issues that deal with feelings of guilt, feelings of depression. And so that's what we actually run into. Jehovah's Witnesses are trying to jump hoops. And at the end of the day, when you examine them, they're not in the Bible, but they're the teachings of the governing body. They are man-made teachings. And when you can't keep up, you can't run fast enough, you can't jump high enough, it's gonna have an effect on you. And the effect was gonna be that you're gonna end up feeling depressed, worthless, and guilt-ridden. And that's what will happen. And sad to say, in the organization, that is an issue that exists. And many, many Jehovah's witnesses can tell you the story of how they felt. I just can't do enough.
1: So JT, those are great points, but are you speaking theoretically, or has this happened to you in the past? Or did you see it as an elder? Are you telling me people are writing you and Lady C now about these subjects? Talk to me about the real.
2: Yeah, as an elder, I actually saw it. Uh, When you make shepherding calls on uh, the witnesses in their homes. They will often tell you, uh, uh, brother JT, I I just can't keep up. And what they'll be talking about is not keeping up in terms of not stealing, not cheating, not lying. I can't get my hours. And so (laughs) things like, things of this nature. Uh, Man-made mandates is what they run into. My wife and I had someone contact us just last week. In fact, we were gonna set up a Zoom to talk to them and their family because it's a whole family. And what it is, they've decided that they would like to pursue going to college and I'm gonna tell you they have been attacked from all angles that what you're doing is questionable it shouldn't be done I mean the the message is very clear you know they have a desire to go to school and and it's it's a number of the members of the family and so they are being guilt-ridden about their decision to go to college which is really interesting, uh, the issue of college, because at one time, the society came down real hard on going to school. And then for a small window of time, the watchtower lightened up. In fact, they said, it's a personal choice. Leave it alone. Don't make yourself part of somebody else's business. But now recently, in the last few years, the, the, the hammer has come back down hard. And it's come down so hard now that an elder can be removed if he's talking about going to school too much or he's talking about his kids going to school. So these are things that have nothing to do with teachings in the Bible. These are personal choices, but because of the way in which the governing body presents it and everybody who serves as a representative presents it to others, a Jehovah's Witness can feel guilty as if they are failing God. And this is something as simple as going to school. Mm
1: So, JT, I think I'm starting to see the linkage. You're saying that the governing body's Phariseeic behavior leads to people feel like they're failing, guilt, and really that links to the emotional health discussion we're having. Am, am I getting that right? Yes,
2: absolutely. And uh, this is something that a lot of people have, have written to us about is, is, is how they were impacted emotionally. I recall uh, we had a circuit overseer once, he made an interesting comment in one of our elders meetings. He shared with us that, you know, the society gets letters all the time from articles that they write. And the point he made that evening was the articles that the society had that dealt with depression, they received some of their largest response from witnesses around the world. And it's kind of it's interesting because One of the things that witnesses are taught is that as a Jehovah's witness, you are one of the happiest people on the face of the earth, when in reality, there are just so many witnesses who are struggling with issues that deal with good, healthy mental health.
1: Mm. So I see a domino effect. I mean, like literally a visual. There is the Phariseeic man-made mandates, not from God, but from man that domino falls and causes folks to feel like they didn't meet the standard that domino falls and causes guilt and depression and that domino falls every time on every witness in the organization and causes some emotional disconnect i mean again am i summarizing this right or am i going too far yeah that pretty much sums it up
2: um it has literally a domino effect and unfortunately. Some of this plays itself out to the conclusion. And unfortunately, the conclusion is for some people, they end up taking their lives. And we have seen this. People have taken their lives because they've lost their family, their friends, their entire social structure. uh, And as a result, unable to deal with it. Growing up, never actually encouraged to even seek out professional help for any reason. And now that they're out of the organization, they many times don't, and they end up taking their lives. And so this is such a serious problem that even in the responses that we get from people, they often share something maybe perhaps about themselves, someone in their family, or someone that they personally know they're trying to help. So you see this this, this underlying, it's it's like an underlying current of all these people who are struggling to try to do what's right and what God requires. And unfortunately, so many times, it has nothing to do with what God requires. And that's probably the saddest part. And that's what makes the governing body so much in parallel to exactly the way the Pharisees operate. Mm-hmm. We want you to do more and when God hasn't even required it. And that's sad.
1: So JT, are you saying then that that domino effect that we're describing here between the Watchtower's Pharisee behavior and people's emotional health, gets accelerated when a person tries to depart the organization. They're the dominoes of departure. They, they go further and faster on someone's emotional health. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yes. You see, because you have not agreed with the published works of the Watchtower Writers and you decide to leave, well, you've been taught all your life that you're leaving God. And so as a result, it just, as you mentioned before, you get that domino effect of depression. The person oftentimes will leave the organization then they will find themselves engaging in types of activities that actually is detrimental to them because why? Because they feel they've left God. I mean, I can't, I cannot count the number of people who have left and they after, after leaving, they finally got themselves together and everything. And when you talk to them, they will tell you, you know, I went out, I left the organization. I did everything I can do. Why? Cause I was going to die anyway. So it doesn't matter. And then when these people realize, uh, you're not going to die because you left the watch Star. They're like, oh man, I can't believe I wasted time or I was doing all this food stuff because of that. And so that is why it is so important that people take the opportunity to examine what we are a part of. And so this is why we wanted to put this video here together as really more of a, a shoe in, because what we would like to do. Is continue the same conversation as we begin to delve into different aspects of how the mental health of an individual leaving this organization will impact him and what they can do to mitigate it. Because there's certain things you can do to help you be able to make more of a smooth transition as opposed to a completely rough transition. We want to try to have a smooth landing when we leave this organization so we can hit the ground and keep
1: on rolling jt great points let me summarize what i think we've covered in this video we started with the watchtower and the governing body and make the parallel that the watchtower like the pharisees started out as good guys and then over time it devolved to man-made mandates we talked about how jesus thought about that we talked about how those man-made mandates impacted the congregation and impacts congregation today where there's a domino effect that then makes folks feel like they not are not meeting the standard then there's guilt then there's depression and as you said sometimes there's a final conclusion and now you brought it all the way down to the domino effect on people's emotions and this is the beginning of the emotional health series
2: jt yes and we look forward to the discussion that we will have on the emotional impact on people's lives. This has been JT.
0: Hey, this is Lady C. Thank you for tuning in to The Critical Thought. We appreciate having you in our audience. Not only that, but we invite you to subscribe to our channel and be sure to hit that bell so that you can receive notifications when we upload new content. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and give us a thumbs up if you like this video. Thank you for being in our audience.